Hello and welcome to School Appropriate with Pat Potter. I'm your host, Pat Potter, and this is a podcast by teachers for teachers, and really anyone that wants to know more about the world of education. So if you're a teacher yourself, you have an interest in education, or simply want to know more about the trials and triumphs of real educational professionals, then you are in the right place. So without further ado, here is School Appropriate. All right, people. First of all, sorry, this one's a little late. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, wanted to make sure I had all my school stuff ready to go for this week, obviously. And secondly, probably more importantly, I'm going to, you know, spend a little bit of time talking about the domestic terrorism that happened in my nation's capital a little less than a week ago at this point. Um, I'm recording this on the evening of Monday, January 11th. And I'm referring, of course, to the domestic terrorist or domestic terrorism rather incident that took place in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, January 6th, last week. Uh, from when this is being recorded. Um, For those of you that don't know, an armed mob of rioters stormed the United States Capitol building during the, what is typically ceremonial counting and certifying of the Electoral College results um, from the 2020 election in which Joe Biden won, thank God. And um, it, it, it quickly got out of hand. They were violent mobsters. Some of them are uh, violent rioters, rather. Some of them, um, you know, asking where they could find the offices and the, well, and just the locations of different mem- different members of the legislative branch and um, the federal law or law enforcement, different law enforcement agencies found pipe bombs and Molotov cocktails, and it, it could have been a lot worse. It's unfortunately five people have lost their lives since, since that, or five people lost their lives as a result. Um, it's, I don't, I don't understand. Well, actually that's part of the problem. I think I do understand it's, it's, Shocking, but not surprising, I think is the, is the best way I've seen it described recently. Um, and let's, let's make no mistake. This was a presidentially incited riot. The president of the United States, soon to be former president of the United States, one way or another is, is responsible for this, at least for this instance. I'm going to get into some of the things that got us to how we got here in a little bit, but um, it's, yeah, make no mistake. The president of the United States helped incite this violent mob. The entire legislative branch of our country's government was under direct threat. They were, they were potentially in danger, including the vice president himself. So, um, I mean, if you want to talk about white privilege and white supremacy, you see it all over as you see 
I don't want to get into the cops taking, well, I will get into the cops taking selfies thing. That's absurd. I don't want to get into the cops, quote unquote, letting people through the barriers because I've seen some of those videos from multiple angles. And I will be honest, I was quick to say, oh, they're opening the barriers. I don't know. Um, I, I saw another angle but that was much closer. And it's very clear that the, that the police that are there, I don't know if it was the DC police, Capitol police, whoever, um, but whoever was there was, was being overwhelmed by the rioters, by these, I'm sorry, by these domestic terrorists. Let me, let me say it that way. Um, Cause that's what it was. And so I don't, I don't want to cast judgment on that specifically, but it, it's still, I mean, taking selfies with these, with these domestic terrorists and, seeing the the restraint i guess you could call it on the part of some of the law enforcement officers that were there not all of course i will i left leaning and solidly liberal as i might be i will never categorically dismiss all police officers i simply won't do it a it's not helpful and b it's not true it's not genuine to say that there are no cops that there are no law enforcement officers out there of conscience i will never ever say that because it's not true um and, but, but even so, that being said, in this instance, we saw what, just one example of what people in this country have been protesting for, for decades and was especially on display in or over the summer. There is preferential treatments by law enforcement, depending on, or of the different quote unquote races of people, um, or based on your skin color. It just exists. It's, I don't know how we can even, it should have been an, it, it, let me collect myself here. Um, it's been something, it's something we all are, have been painfully aware of at the very least since the summertime. And if you've been paying even a little bit of attention, much longer than that. And I say that as a white dude from the Chicago suburbs, I've never experienced it myself, but I don't know. My parents raised me properly, so I'm able to understand that someone who doesn't have my, or, you know, that someone other than me may have different experiences than what I've had, I guess. Um, so I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time getting into that aspect of it because I don't, I don't know that. How do I phrase this? I think what I'm most fascinated in and like a morbid fascination is just how did we get here? This is something I've been talking about with my colleagues. This is something I'm talking about with my friends. And it's, you know, I'm a social studies teacher. So this sort of thing hits especially, well, this sort of thing, I don't want to say hits close to home, but this sort of thing is relevant to me. It happened while I was in class. It started happening while I was in my last class of the day um, on Wednesday. And I think it's probably going to be one of those things when I, I will probably remember who I was with and where I was when I first found out about it. But so I, I have some theories and if you'll bear with me here as to why this sort of thing has happened, I think, I don't know what to do with all the information I have just yet, but you know, you got to start somewhere. So Something as I look at this domestic terrorism incident and the ensuing fallouts and just the complete bumbling 
or bungling rather of any kind of a response on the part of the you know head of our country's government um i, I you know something i'm res something i'm reminded of is something i share with my students all the time anytime we look at history and anytime we study, study social studies and that's the phrase that nothing happens in isolation this is and this sort of thing doesn't just happen. Riots do not simply just happen. Incidents of domestic terrorism simply don't just happen. You know, and there's people are sitting around shocked of like, oh, I don't understand how this sort of thing can even happen in America. First of all, hopefully we really start to drop even harder than we should have going back to, I don't know, Vietnam, this American exceptionalism nonsense. It's not that we're a bad country. It's just that we're susceptible to the same things that every other country that has ever existed is susceptible as well. We are susceptible to civic unrest or civil unrest, civic unrest, civil unrest, whichever. I should know that. I'm a social studies teacher. It's fine. It was a long day. We are susceptible to that. We are susceptible to bad actors in our governments trying to take control and maintain their control longer than they are supposed to be in that position of control, just like other countries. We are susceptible to armed uprisings and domestic terrorism just like other countries. We are not that different. I wish we were. I wish we were better than this. But at the same time, it, it's a reality. It should be a reality check for us. I, I would hope. There have to be positives that come from this. Um, but it's it's multifaceted, something like this. I mean, this is this is anger that and frustration, even though it's complete BS, the gripe that these people had about voter fraud and it just there's no evidence of any widespread. Why do I even have to say this? You don't. Okay, we're good. The way I think about it, again, these are my perspectives and my opinions. Trumpito is not the problem. He very much is a problem, but he is not a problem, or he's not the problem. He is the tumor. And the anti-intellectualism, the xenophobia, the racism, the bigotry, and the, to some extent, legitimate social gripes that the United States has left them behind, those are the smoking cigarettes and the, you know, bad diets and lack of exercise and lack of proper or drinking water properly, that, that sort of thing. And until those other things are addressed, until those underlying factors are addressed, I don't know if this is the, I hope to whatever God may or may not actually exist, that this is the last time we're going to see something like this, but I have a bad feeling that this is only going to continue to some extent. I don't want it to, and I'm not trying, I'm not, let me put it this way. I'm not actively inciting it like the president of the United States did. I just have concerns. Now that doesn't have to be this way. But um, I'm reminded, and shout out to my friend Kelsey, who was an episode, or who was a guest back over the summer. Um, she posted on Instagram a quote from Voltaire, one of my favorite philosophers, that said it's a famous quote that's been attributed to him, and that is, "Those that can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities." Well. This crowd of people has been stirred up and whipped up into a, or had been stirred up and whipped up into a frenzy even before they got to Washington, D.C. They have been fed a steady diet since before the election of voting by mail is fraud. 
the only way I'm going to win or the only way I will lose is if the Democrats cheat, if there's fraud, they want to take, they want to keep you out of the process. And again, there has been no evidence of any widespread voter fraud of any kind. This is widely considered by numerous different election officials and agencies to be one of the most secure elections in American history, despite the pandemic. But the people at this rally, the people that would even consider doing such a thing, they are not aware of that. They will not hear that because they are only hearing from their own quote unquote news sources. And they are peddling, they're being peddled conspiracy theories. They themselves do not have the critical thinking skills or the just wherewithal to be aware that this is a BS argument. There is, it's, but it's, they're being, they're being whipped up into anger. And when you're angry and you're scared or whatever feeling, negative feeling you've got, your brain doesn't process things properly. And if you sit there and if you've been in this mindset of the Democrats are stealing the election, then of course you're going to at least consider doing something drastic. And you might even be dumb enough and malignant enough to do it, to go through with it. So there you have it. Um, and I love these these people on the right side, on the, the more Republican side of the aisle coming out and condemning it as well. Some of them have legitimate grievances. Some of them, they were complicit in all of this, this election fraud BS. They were just as, arguably just as complicit as President Trump some of them, people like Ted Cruz, people like Josh Hawley. You don't have a leg to stand on, okay? I mean, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, the guy that also called, what did he do? He called that same Georgia election official at Pennsylvania, one of them. He basically tried to stiff, you know, tried to strong arm one of the states that Trump lost into overturning their election results. So you did the same thing. He's not actually in the room, Pat. He's not actually in the room. Anyway. Um, but I mean, this is a culmination of deliberate manipulation of the poor, uneducated, uh, white underclass, I guess you would, you would call them if you're someone who's super wealthy, by the GOP. And the GOP is not the only thing that is to blame. There is media blame to go around on both sides of the aisle as well. But this is the same tactic they used back during the Obama years. It's the same tactic they've been using to keep poor white people from voting against their own interests since re-frickin'-construction, people. It's the same thing. It's it's peddling this fear of the other, of the outsider, of the people who are different from you so that they stay scared because only we can protect you from the outsider. They're going to, they're going to leave the cities and come into the suburbs or they're going to leave the south and come into the, the northern cities and it's going to be bad for you. It's it's same dookie different toilet basically and it's it's we're seeing the effects of it and it's 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 fascinating. It's fascinating to see from a from a morbidly morbid fascination. I would say I have what's going to happen with the GOP because there seems there's a, a reckon people who know much more about politics than I do have been saying that there is a, a battle going on within the GOP um, within the American Republican Party of you know the quote unquote establishment Republicans. There are reasonable ones out there. You can't have just one political party 
in a country. You can't have that. There has to be at least two. More would be better. Um, but there's a, a battle going on with them and these hardcore Trump people and whatever the next version of Trump is going to be. Because you can rest assured that this is not the end of all of whatever you want to call this. Um, but now the GOP, they're, they might be in some trouble because these these crazies that they've got, whatever you want to call them, they're not marching to the same tune as your typical GOP voter or candidate or uh, politician. I'm reminded of the quotes. It's not his quote, but he used it in his inauguration speech, John F. Kennedy in, in uh, 1961. He's used the, the quote that those who sought power, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to spare you my JFK, um, my JFK impression for the record. Um, but he's the, the expression is those who sought power by riding the back of the tiger ended up inside. So if you are stoking anger, resentment, bitterness, and you're trying to use it for your benefit, you better be careful because that very easily could end up coming back to consume you. I don't know what that exactly looks like, but it could be potentially spelling doom for the GOP. Um, we'll see. I just, it's, it's a combination of numerous different factors. And if you'll bear with me here, or before we get into that, I do want to touch on this, this both sides ism thing. I would hope that this, the both sides do the, no, if you are, if you cannot tell the difference between, I'm not even, I'm going to respect your intelligence, dear listener. If you cannot tell the difference between the protests that were happening over the summer and what that domestic terrorism incident was on Wednesday, then I, then you don't, you want, I don't know what to tell you. You want to be on the wrong side, I guess, at that point. If like, it's, if you were a, a colleague of mine, we were talking about it. He had a more nuanced approach, not to that issue, but to this. He, I wanted to talk to him. He's somebody I respect. He said that, you know, if you're someone who was condemning the riots over the summer, you better be condemning what you saw here because this was much worse and totally different. And I think that's a pretty, that's kind of what I want to say on that, obviously. Uh, it's, I like to think that if you listen to this pod, this podcast, you get that. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm coming from with that. And um, if you'll bear with me here for a second, I have some, I, there, there's another contributing factor. And keep in mind, I am very biased, given that it's the subject that I teach, but I don't think it's a coincidence that we're starting to, we've been seeing so much anti-intellectualism. I mean, think about it. These people are so uneducated, ignorant, whatever you want to call it, that they don't, they think that a legitimate election is some kind of massive inside voter fraud type thing. They so lack the understanding of the basic processes of the United States government that when it goes the way it's supposed to go, including with mail-in voting, I don't, I don't mean from a result standpoint, that's morally, I'm talking about from like a logistical standpoint, the election went the way it's supposed to go. There were not any major problems. They get so angry that they'll commit acts of domestic terrorism. Now there's the reasons that I talked about earlier. And uh, also what I was referring to when I said I'm biased, I think that has a little bit, at least a little bit, I say, as I strap on my proverbial tinfoil hat, 
I think that has a little bit to do with the devalues, the devaluation, is that a word? Uh, the devaluing of social studies education in this country. And again, before you turn this off, I know I'm biased. I teach social studies. I that's and what I'm going to get into here, especially with my second point that I'm going to get at, um, is not meant to disparage or put down anyone that teaches something other than social studies at all. I've had people on here that are not social studies teachers, and I'm not trying to say that this is your fault or their fault or even that, that you'll you'll see. Um, you know, we don't we don't value social studies education. It's not something that's typically tested on a statewide level. It's not something like in the state of Illinois to graduate from high school, you don't have to take four years of it. Most, most you, you'll take three years of high school, uh, social studies. You don't have to take four years. Why? I don't know. Probably so that the electorate stays stupid. Maybe, I don't know, it stays unaware. And also, this one's a little, I will admit that this one is a little bit more of a stretch, but um, if you're a teacher in a title, what's considered a title one school, a low income school, um, you can, depending on, or after five year, five consecutive years teaching in, in that environment, you are eligible for a certain amount of money forgiven from your loans. Social studies teachers are eligible for the least amount of forgiveness, whereas math is the highest. Again, not meant to disparage my math colleagues. Just want to highlight something. If you're a math teacher, you could you are usually potentially eligible for fifty up to fifteen thousand dollars of loan forgiveness after five years in a Title One school. Whereas if you're a social studies teacher, you're only eligible for five thousand dollars of loan forgiveness. Huh. I don't know. You make of that what you will. I think that there's something else going on there. Or maybe it's just a coincidence. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a real thing. And I also do want to point some blame at the media too, including the, the more liberal media. I mean, it's it's if you talk down to people, if you constantly try to make people feel stupid for not seeing your perspective or not understanding what you're trying to get them to understand, you have to accept that there's going to be some resentment. Now, that is not me excusing this behavior and saying, well, it's the left's fault. It's not. But knowing how nefarious that some of the that most of the media actors on the right can be, you got to not give them any ammo. You can't give them any ammo because they're going to invent it. Now, I say this with zero background in media other than this, and I'm not accountable to anybody. Um, I don't have shareholders yet, but you're, you're playing, when, you, when you talk down, when you belittle people, when you make fun of people, you're, you're just giving them reason to dislike you. You're just giving reason to, for them to go over to the other side and potentially become radicalized like these domestic terrorists were last week. Um, so that's, so that's that. Um, I know this has been kind of a, this is just a quick one this week. I will have a guest next week. It's going to be a lot better. Um, I know this has been kind of a downer, but again, my ultimate source of optimism remains the students, my students, your students, if you're a teacher, um, I'm not, this is not the kind of, I'm not going to sit here and pretend, oh, I guess America's done. We don't like, no, this we need to look at this as an opportunity. Yes, we should be shocked. Yes, we should be appalled. But we need to look at this as an opportunity and say, okay, how do we get here? What do we do to stop this? How do we have people so angry and misinformed, disinformed, 
that they're willing to do such a thing for literally for no reason, at least no legitimate reason, but it's a reason from their perspective. So how do we fix this? Where do we go from here? And I don't have the answers to that yet. I have some ideas and a lot of it comes down to better education, but that only goes so far. But the reason that I'm, and the reason that I think there is a solution to be found, a lot of it has to do with the kids they are piecing together that this is not normal, that this is not acceptable. And I don't think they're going to want to live in a country that accepts this as the norm. And I think that that's going to cause, that's going to motivate them. That's going to inspire them to make the, you know, without being melodramatic, but make the country a better place, make the country more accepting, more tolerable, more equitable. And I, I am optimistic that they're going to do the right thing. Every generation gets better. Every generation improves on the mistakes of the previous generation. That's been the case forever. There have been setbacks, obviously, but the, the, hold on, I always want to get this quote right. I had it in front of me. It's like, that's the quote from MLK. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. I see that with my students. I see that in the world. I think we have we have to do the work, and what the work entails remains to be seen. Or it's it's maybe there's so much of it that it's hard to actually articulate, but it it can be done. And I'm going to be on the right side of it once I'm able to figure out what I can do best to rectify this to help people to make the play, the country better and the world better by extension i'm going to be on the right side of it because i will not be complicit in the downfall of american society i will not be complicit in the continued degradation of what should be a country that serves as an example to other countries and that i i feel like i have a healthy amount of love and care for my country. I don't consider myself an American nationalist, but I do consider myself an American patriot because I think that we can live up to our principles for everyone, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your gender, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, and any other potential country of origin, any other potential stipulation. I really do believe that. Um, and I'm going to do what I do to make that possible for uh, among many other reasons. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. I know it can seem between this and the pandemic and just general shenanigans. I know that it can seem that the world is constant is trying to beat you down, but it's, there are people out there who want to help. There are people out there of all ages and this next generation of kids coming up right now, they have good moral characters. They see what the world is doing. They see that we adults are not setting a good example for them in general. And I do say we, because my generation is not helping either to some extent. I'm not going to millennial bash. It's not all our fault. But um, there are reasons to be optimistic. I know it can seem difficult to see that sometimes. And some days are harder than others. But... 
we can, we have to we got to keep going. We don't we don't have any choice. We have there beats the alternative. What are we going to do? Sit around and complain? Oh, everything sucks. Okay, cool. I guess we don't have any work to do then. I guess we have oh, we have no way to possibly make anything better. Okay. All right. It's BS. And I've been guilty of that myself too. So we have work to do. We have oppor- but we have opportunities to get better. We have opportunities to connect with people. We have opportunities to help people more importantly. We have opportunities to make our country and our community and our world better than when we found it. And we have opportunities, more importantly, to connect with people and show people that this does not have to be the way that things have to be, that things can get better, that the situation in which we find ourselves, though it may seem dire, A, it could be worse, and B, it can always improve. And with what I do for a living and with this, I like to think that I'm on the right side. And I will keep getting better at what I do and I will keep trying to grow. And I hope that you, whatever it is you're trying to do to help to make the world a better place, I hope you keep doing it as well. Um, We'll have guests back next week. Thank you for listening. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're safe. I hope you're taking care of yourself. And shout out to my friends, Matt and Ashley on much happier news. Shout out to my friends, Matt and Ashley. Uh, They're both devoted listeners to this. And uh, there you have a little baby on the way later this year. And I'm very excited. I'm going to spoil that baby super hardcore once the baby gets here. Um, so Matt and Ashley, if you guys are listening, I love you guys. I can't tell you how happy I am for you. The next time I see you, uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to get probably get emotional. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for them. I'm excited for them. And thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to School Appropriates. This podcast is available on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Casts, Radio Republic, and Spotify. If you like what this podcast is doing, the best way you can help it grow is to tell your friends and subscribe on any of those platforms and leave a positive review. If you are an educator and would like to share your stories or have a loved one or a friend with experience in the education world, send an email to schoolappropriatepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to School Appropriate on Instagram and Twitter at School Appropriate Pod. That's School Appropriate P-O-D. Links are available in the description of this episode and in the description of the channel. Thank you again. And remember, just like I tell my students, the world stinks a little bit less with you in it. See you next time.